Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Lights Out. My name is KJ, and on this week's episode, I'm going to be reviewing 2021 French horror thriller film Titane. If you're new to this podcast, I like to review international foreign language horror and thriller films. I usually do a little bit of background on the film, and then I dive into some spoilers, go through the plot a little bit, and then I just give my general reaction, my re, you know, my recap, my thoughts, you know, and my review of the movie. So let's just get right into it. I think it's going to be a little bit on the longer side for me because I have a lot to say with this film. But so Titane was written and directed by Julia Giacarno, who came who pretty much broke out with her first feature length film Raw in 2016. She also um, directed and wrote some short films, which I don't know too much about, though, but I know they deal with similar themes with both of these movies as well. But she also, too, recently she directed two episodes in season two of Servant, which is streaming on Apple+. Plus. And I am a big fan of Servant. That's the M. Night Shyamalan produced show. And if you're looking for a good horror show, it's only about 30 minutes long each episode. Definitely check out Servant and catch her two episodes, like I said, she did in season two. So in this movie, we got Ag- we got Aget, I think Rossell. Oh, man, I'm butchering that name. <laughs> who plays Alexia slash Adrian. We got Vincent Linden, who plays Vincent. And then we got Garance uh, Mirrell, who plays Justine. And she was actually in Julia's first feature-length film, Raw, in 2016. She was the lead character. And she has a small role in Titane, but it was nice to see her here. Um, currently, on IMDb, the Titane has a 7 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes, an 87% um, critic score. And then on Letterboxd, a 3.8 out of 5. So it's currently it's got some good reviews right now um, on multiple websites. The film premiered at Cannes Film Festival in this past July 2021. It won the big prize, the Palme d'Or. Um, Julia was the second female uh, director to actually win that award. The first one was Jane Campion in 2000, oh, not 2000, in 1993 for The Piano. So she, and I believe that she actually tied for that film. So Julia is actually like the first actual winner to win the Palme d'Or, which again, like I said, is kind of the big number one prize for um, Cannes Film Festival. It's the top like best movie prize pretty much there. This film has been pretty much running the film circuit so or the film festival circuit I should say it's been at the Toronto Film Festival where it won the Midnight Audience Award I believe which is kind of like their horror um, award it was at Fantastic Fest New York Film Festival and Beyond Fest all in the U.S. and then it was also at the BFI London Film Festival it's also been at um, other film festivals throughout Europe as well but those were the big um, main ones that I saw um, it was released in theaters here in the U.S. on October 1st. It was acquired by Neon and then was released by Neon here in the States. So Neon did pick up that film. And it's currently the big news when um, about a week ago was that um, France, the Film Society France, actually selected Titane for their entry for the best international feature film at this upcoming 94th Academy Awards, the Oscars. So that was pretty big, actually, because... A lot of people didn't know if, you know, France would actually choose this film because it's a horror thriller and it's so out there if they would pick that to be like their Oscar, you know, contender. 
And I remember a few years ago, they had a film called The Lady, um, A Portrait of a Lady on Fire that a lot of people thought they should have selected that as their big Oscar film. But they end up going with another film called Les Miserables, I believe. And I actually watched both of, both of those films, both really well done. But Portrait of a Lady on Fire is um, like a lesbian romance period piece, a little more artsy. And a lot of people are saying they should have went with that film. They kind of, you know, chickened out, I guess you could say, and went a little bit with a safer choice. So it was kind of a big deal that they actually went ahead and, you know, chose this film to represent their country and to hopefully get an Oscar nomination. And I do predict, especially now, like I said, this film won the big prize at uh, Cannes Film Festival, and it's been getting a lot of buzz. So I can see this movie getting... Uh, a nomination for Best International Film at the Oscars. And I think a lot of people are hoping that Julia possibly could get a Best um, Director uh, nomination. A lot of people are pushing for it, and I think Neon, you know, they were the ones who acquired Parasite that won two years ago, and um, the director for that film, I'm blanking on his name, Bon Jong-ho, he won Best Director, and they cleaned house at the Oscars. So I'm thinking Neon... Is kind of hoping to do that with Titane, and you know this film is getting a lot of buzz kind of in the film world right now. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> I just want to go over a little bit more of the background, then we'll dive into the plot. So I like I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but yeah. So she did her first feature like film Raw, and that's a film that I really really enjoyed as well. I remember watching that in 2016, and I believe it actually made my top ten. You know films my favorites I guess you could say of that year so I really did a, I really did love like raw and I have I've only watched it the one time but it really you know put in it had a lasting impact just that one time watching and I plan on checking out again eventually at some point but that's a film that has stuck with me you know and I remember when that film first came out a lot of people were talking because it did the same thing it played at film festivals and it kind of got this word of mouth that it was very violent, very gross. Some um, people were fainting at, you know, screenings. Um, they were handing out barf bags to audience <laughs> members going into the film, and they had to have paramedics on the scene. I don't think that buzz did the film really well because a lot of people then were disappointed because the movie really, yeah, it does deal with cannibalism and it does have some gross, you know, scenes, but it's really kind of a coming of age, you know story about this you know these two sisters that are in vet veterinarian school and the younger sister coming to and realizing like sexuality and it has a lot of themes and messages in that film that is bigger than the cannibalism and the horror aspects but yeah i do remember when that film came out it was really interesting and i i don't want to say i was disappointed but i just remember going in thinking maybe it was gonna be like the grossest film ever and it really wasn't, but yeah, that's a that's a really good horror film. So if you haven't checked out Raw, definitely do check it out. I'm sure you can find it streaming somewhere. It's been on Netflix. I know if, I don't know if it's currently on Netflix, but I know it has been. But even if you got to pay for it, that's a really good film to check out. A really good um, horror film, I will say. <laughs> so I guess yeah, let's just dive right into the plot now, and then we'll kind of go through the plot. I usually don't go scene by scene here but i will touch on some of the bigger stuff the bigger and there's a lot of spoilers but and then at the end we'll kind of go through some more what i thought of the film and the messages and everything with that <laughs> all right let's do it so titane so the film opens with a young girl and her father in a car 
they're driving on this highway the young girl alexia she's kind of being annoying to be honest she's kind of sitting in the back seat she's making like a car engine noise like vroom vroom and then she's kind of kicking the back of her father's seat he's getting annoyed she eventually takes off her seatbelt and is, and turns around to kind of you know look at you know i guess behind them and when he turns around to kind of stop her to get her to get back you know in her seat put her seatbelt back on they end up crashing again this is like the first minute of the film it happens very fast and then we cut to the hospital where we see, you know, they're operating on Alexia. They're putting a titanium plate inside her head, which that's the title of this film, Titane, which is the French word for titanium. So then we cut to the next scene where she's recovering. She's still in the hospital. She's got like her head shaved. She's got this big, pretty good scar on the side of her head where they operated to put the plate in. And she's got like these metal contraptions kind of around her head. It almost looks like a really big, um, whenever you would think of like the nerdy kids wearing like the braces, like the headgear times like 10 with this situation. But anywho, you see like a physical therapist working with her, telling her to move her arms up and down and you kind of, you see that, you know, she's okay. But yeah, this was actually, I remember probably a year or so ago when this film was announced that all they did was post this picture of young Alexia, this young kid with, you didn't know if it was a little girl or a little boy with its head shaved, wearing this like metal contraption. And that was all they posted with this movie. They said, Julia Giacarno, her next film is called Titane. And this was the picture they posted. So a lot of people were speculating, you know, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> and I know I was definitely speculating this what end up what we end up getting with this film was not what I thought, you know, by what's looking at that one picture, that one steal. But, you know, that's definitely fun, you know, to kinda try to guess what it is and then kinda come into the movie. Anywho. So when she ends up getting released from the hospital, the young girl, she ends up just like running past her parents and just running to her car the car, <laughs> her parents' car. She ends up hugging it and then gives it a kiss <laughs> on the window. And then we cut to the title of this film, Titane. And yeah, it's kind of funny, you know, seeing that scene of this young little girl after this car crash, just like running to the car, embracing it, giving it a big hug. And then she just gives like a big smooch on the window. And then it cuts to <laughs> the title of the film. We then go to Alexia, who is now an adult. And you see she's still got this scar on the side of her head. And she's working kind of as like an exotic dancer, a showgirl, like at a car show, like a motor show. And she's all kind of, you know, dressed, you know, very exotic, like a dancer would. <laughs> and you see her there with her one coworker, Justine, who I said was the, um, the actress plays her that was in Raw. They kind of flirt a little bit, but you see Alexia at this car show. She ends up getting on top of this Camaro with um, flames pretty much all around it. And she does this pretty sexual exotic dance you know a bunch of guys are watching not hooting and hollering but maybe a little bit and um you get a pretty good sequence of her just dancing on this car very into it <laughs> and then after that she ends up you know gonna take a shower with her co-workers for end of the night and then while she's leaving work she's getting stalked by this young guy who follows her to her car and you kind of get a little bit of horror this is the first horror aspect of the film is her kind of noticing this guy stalking her and then she ends up running to her car 
and while she's in there he catches up to her but he she ends up rolling her window down and he just says he wants an autograph she gives her autograph and then he's you know asks for a little bit more he tells her that he's in love with her and then he kind of gets aggressive where he forces you know himself into her car where she's sitting and tries to get a kiss from her and then she ends up giving in and starts kissing him back pretty passionately but she ends up grabbing like her hairpin that she has holding you know her hair and it's pretty it's a long hairpin and then she just stabs him like through the ear into the brain and he pretty much just has like a seizure <laughs> where he's like foaming at the mouth twitching eyes rolled back at the back of his head and he ends up dying <laughs> so again this is like the first five-ish minutes of this movie that we see our main lead end up killing somebody you know and we find out that i believe she's been murdering you know people in the past but after this scene she goes back to her work where she was showering earlier to kind of i guess just wash the blood off her and everything and she hears this noise outside this like loud noise she ends up walking out um, fully naked dripping wet from the shower and it's the car that's like the car lights are on and it's making this kind of loud banging noise she ends up going inside the car <laughs> and this is the big scene that everyone's talking about and you kind of can't you just got to say it that she ends up having sex with this car you just see it from the outside this car just starts like bouncing up and down you hear her moaning and you do get some scenes of her inside the car <laughs> she's kind of like holding on to um, the seat belts and just you know kind of going at it i guess you could say <laughs> so ends up happening you know after that scene she wakes up pretty much the next day you kind of get a inside look at her family life she lives at home with her two parents and she just has like a cold relationship with her parents her dad just kind of doesn't seem interested he almost seems like he doesn't really like her to be honest and i believe he's a doctor because when she starts complaining of abdominal pain the mom tells the dad to check on her and he kind of he does reluctantly but he says everything's okay you do get a little um image i guess you could say when she wakes up you can kind of see her spotting um motor oil like in her um underpants basically and then that's kind of your first hint but then she starts complaining of like abdominal pain you kind of find you end up finding out that she's pregnant <laughs> You can see a little bit like her stomach bulging out a little bit and again she's spotting but she realizes she's pregnant and then she tries to perform an abortion with the same hairpin that she mur she's using to murder people she uses that hairpin to perform an abortion but it's unsuccessful again this is a very uncomfortable scene where you're watching it and you just feel very icky <laughs> and just like you know don't feel good watching it it's very it's not too gruesome but you know you see enough to where it makes you uncomfortable is probably the best word so next scenes you know you see alexia she's meeting up with justine they're kind of hanging out outside by looks like the beach to be honest and they end up making out starting to hook up and while alexia is um kissing justine's nipples because she has her nipples pierced you see that she has like these metal piercings and she starts really biting on them and really starting to pull at them with her teeth and again really uncomfortable because you just think that she's going to rip this young girl's nipples off and it's very you know you see it happening but justine eventually tells her to stop and that she's hurting her but you're getting obviously more um facts i guess or images that alexia is just turned on by like metal because 
you know, the car situation and also the metal piercings on this girl's nipples, her just really just focusing in on those. <laughs> so after that scene, when Justine basically just says, eh, it's okay, whatever, they end up going to a house party. They start hooking up again. And this time, Alexia just grabs her hairpin while they're making out and then just stabs Justine, like, in her cheek under her eye. Justine, of course, like, what the heck? And then Alexia just ends up, like, wrestling her and stabbing her through the ear into the brain like she did the first victim we saw. And we just see Justine, same situation, shaking um, with her eyes rolled back of her head, foaming at the mouth, and she's dead. Another guy comes down saying, you know, what the heck? And they end up fighting Alexia and this other guy. And she ends up killing him with a chair. But, like, the leg of the chair, she ends up just, like, slamming into the... You see it go into the guy's mouth. And then she just ends up, like, pouncing on it to, like, kill him through his <laughs> his head, I guess. There's a good scene where she just, like, sits on it, too. Um, then she ends up killing another guy. But when she gets into a fight with another woman that's there she doesn't end up killing her and the woman ends up um escaping from the house and running to the police so in this scene it's pretty brutal this like fighting and this murdering man and the director i read she said that she wanted it to be like exhausting and like why you're watching it you know it's not like an action movie or like john wick or anything you really see this character alexia just like brutally fighting these characters but like also getting tired and exhausted and that's kind of how this other woman gets away because they're fighting on the stairs and then she kind of just like gives up or just like from exhaustion just stops and this other woman runs away now that this other woman got away and you know saw and is going to tell on alexia alexia goes back home and she ends up lighting you know her house on fire you see her burning like her clothes and everything and then she even kills her parents because her parents are in their room sleeping it's you know nighttime and then she goes it's a pretty creepy scene where she's looking in on them she opens the door before she locks it and the dad wakes up and looks at her and and he note and then he realizes what's going on but it's too late she like slams the door and then locks it killing her parents leaving them there so now that alexia is on the run she goes to basically like a bus station or a train station she sees um these like wanted pictures of people but she sees a picture of this um boy adrian and he went missing when he was a young boy but they drew a sketch of him of what he would look like now years later i think like maybe seven years later after he went missing as a boy and she gets the idea that she could, you know, disguise herself as Adrian. She goes into the bathroom. She cuts her hair short. Um, she uses these, like, wraps, tape wraps to, you know, tape her boobs, you know, to kind of, you know, what's the right word I'm thinking of? Tape, I guess tape them down or, you know, kind of squish them in, you know, to show that, you know, she doesn't have breasts. And then she does the same with her stomach. And you get a lot of scenes throughout the movie of her you know wrapping herself up and you can see like the bandage marks on like her back and sides and you can just feel like herself you know tightening and everything it's really just like uncomfortable again but then she has to break her nose to make her nose bigger and she you know she tries to like punch her nose at first but then she just like, ends up using the sink <laughs> and just kind of just slamming her head down to break her nose and again very you know good body horror and very um realistic i guess you would say 
So she ends up going to the police station saying that she's Adrian. And then we, this is where we're introduced to Adrian's father, Vincent. And he comes, you know, obviously the police contacted him and he comes and says, yep, that's um, Adrian, my son. <laughs> and they say, you know, we can do a DNA test to make sure. And he says, no, that that's okay. I'll take him home. We end up finding out that Vincent, he's a fire captain. He lives at like the firehouse and he just brings Adrian home with him. So I'll refer to Alexia now as Adrian, but we get, you know, a lot of scenes with Vincent now. And we see that, like I said, he's a, a fire captain. He's pretty in good shape. You could tell that he was probably really muscular when he was young, but he's just getting older, kind of past his prime. But we catch him doing steroids. You see him, you know, pull down his pants. He's got like bruises all over his butt showing that he's been doing this for a while, but he keeps giving himself injections of steroids just to kind of keep up to stay young. But even before that, you know, he's trying to connect with Adrian, but Adrian, to not give herself away, she doesn't talk. She just stays real quiet and mute, and he tries to connect with his son, you know, asking questions. There's um, a good scene where they, like, they dance. You know, he plays some music to try to calm him down or just to lighten the mood, and you see them two dancing together, which is pretty good. He ends up taking Adrian, kind of, you know, showing him around the firehouse, introducing him to the other firemen. Um, we have a good scene. Basically, now he's bringing Adrian along with him, kind of as like a young apprentice or a, like a fire uh, fighter, um, volunteer firefighter, basically. But he's showing Adrian the ropes. There's a good scene where they go to a house call where an older guy uh, stopped breathing, is unconscious, and you know they intubate him and you know are breathing for him, and then his wife ends up passing out from shock, and then he talks Adrian through, you know, giving chest compressions and mouth to mouth. And it's just these little scenes that, you know, is showing like human connection and it's really well done. Some other scenes, eventually Adrian's mom comes, uh, Vincent's ex-wife, but she pretty much knows that this isn't Adrian. <laughs> and she even tells Adrian because she ends up catching Adrian undressed in um, her room, his room, her room. And even tells Adrian, you know, I know you're not Adrian, but I won't say anything. I don't care. Just treat Vincent good. Be good to him. And Adrian nods. You know, during all these scenes where, you know, Adrian is becoming more and more pregnant and more and more has to try to keep covering it up by like wrapping herself with these bandages. And we start noticing like her nipples are like um, leaking motor oil. Same with, you know, down below. And then we're starting to see like her stomach she's like scratching at it she's getting these like rashes around her stomach that's you know obviously getting more pregnant and then we start noticing like there's like a tear in her stomach where you can see like the metal in her stomach again <laughs> but again real good body horror of just like her constantly scratching at her body and again getting these bandages on and off you just like really feel it and you feel uncomfortable and ugh, you can just like feel like itchy almost too <laughs> Some more scenes. There's another firefighter that is kind of, I guess you could say, catching on to Adrian. And he goes to Vincent and says, you know, something about, you know, that's not Adrian. He doesn't say that's not Adrian, but he says, I got, you know, something to tell you about Adrian. But Vincent basically just shuts him down and says, don't ever speak about my son. That's my son. Don't talk about him. And during this whole time, you're starting to wonder, you know, does Vincent know that this isn't Adrian? He throws out some little hints where he says, you know, I don't care. 
you know, you're my son, you know, I'm always here to protect you, I'm going to help you. And that's kind of the theme of this movie is, you know, family and finding family and accepting, you know, someone as they are pretty much. So again, you get a lot with Vincent. So like I said, he's doing these steroids. And again, I think before a couple of those scenes, I forgot to mention, Adrian does try to run away. You know, she kind of just uses him to get away at first, but she tries to go. There's a scene where she gets on a bus and there's another young girl there that's getting harassed by like these young bro dudes that are being very annoying. And she ends up getting back off the bus and going back home. But we see a scene where Adri or Vincent um, pretty much like almost overdoses on the steroids. He's kind of laying on the ground, pretty much unconscious, but still breathing. And Adrian um, goes and kind of comforts him and takes care of him. And pretty much you could just feel that she's deciding to stay. So again, like I said, during all these scenes, she's still trying to cover herself up. Eventually, Vincent does walk in. And then while they're like, there's this touching scene where he kind of tries to like shave for um, Adrian, you know, kind of just showing that like, I'm trying to think out the right way to say it, just like, you trust me, basically. There's a scene of like trust where, you know, with a big razor blade, you know, you got to trust the person to shave you technically. So there's a, a touching scene of that. But eventually, Vincent does see that Adrian accidentally, you know, she's got like her robe on or she's got a towel on around her one one of the nights and then and accidentally drops after they hug. And he just quickly picks it up, puts it back around Adrian. But he even tells Adrian that, you know, I don't care who you are. I, you know, I still love you. You're my son. And I'm going to take care of you, basically. We're catching more on to the end. We're getting towards the end of the film here. And pretty much the last act, we get this, like, bro party scene <laughs> of, um, we have a couple of dance scenes, to be honest. There's another firefighter dance. We got the one with Vincent and Adrian in the beginning. That's pretty good. Then we have, like, all the firefighters. We have, like, a slow-mo kind of dance scene. <laughs> and then kind of just showing Adrian kind of getting more comfortable with the firefighters. And then, again, there's kind of a more rowdy, like, bro party scene at the end where they're at like the firehouse, you know, they all got like their shirts off, flexing and dancing and jumping and hooting and hollering. And then, you know, Adrian joins in, but they end up like picking Adrian up and putting Adrian on top of this fire truck. And I believe because Adrian is so, you know, turned on by metal and tr um, cars and assuming this big fire truck is probably, you know, the grand car for her, she ends up kind of going back to her roots of exotic dancing. And you see Adrian wearing this firefighter costume, starts dancing you know, like her, like Alexia was in the beginning of the film and all the firefighters just stop and just stare in like kind of disbelief. And it's a pretty long scene, but it's pretty funny as well. And then Adrian, eventually after the party, you hear Adrian inside the fire truck, you know, doing the same deed as earlier, having sex with the fire truck. <laughs> so then we come to the last scene of the film. This is a good scene, the end. So... Vincent does eventually, like, he walked in on her, him, Adrian, dancing on top of the fire truck, but he just leaves. He's kind of laying in his room, and then Adrian comes to Vincent and basically tells Vincent that she loves him. She kind of, you know, tries to kiss him and everything, but he turns, you know, her down, and they kind of both, you know, you know, um, I guess announce their love for each other with it being more of, like, a father-kid love situation I guess you could say 
And then Alexia's body is just, like I said, during all this time, she's just like kind of more gradually breaking down. And eventually now she's just like full blown pregnant and ready to have this baby. And she starts vomiting uh, motor oil. You see it coming out again from her breasts and her bottom. And you see like her stomach is starting to tear up where you can see like the metal, you know, inside her stomach and of course during this they do a good job because you can't help but think you know what's (laughs) what is she going to give birth to is it just going to be a big um piece of metal is it going to be a baby is it going to just be a little car i had no clue what was going to happen i was so curious to see (laughs) what was going to happen but right before you know like again she's breaking down and vincent it looks like he's going to leave because again she tried to pretty much you know make a move on him and he turns her down and while he's getting ready to leave he turns around he sees that she's you know in pain she says you know she's got you know pretty much she's going to be given birth and then he comes back to her aid he keeps saying you know adrian and she tells him you know my name's alexia and he basically helps alexia give birth and she ends up passing away after giving birth i don't think it's confirmed but that's what i got from the movie she gives birth you know, it's a pretty good graphic scene, and you don't see the baby at first. They do some good camera movement where you see Vincent holding a baby. We don't know, again, what it is. He has it wrapped up, and then he lays down, and he keeps saying, I'm here, I'm here, and then we eventually do see the baby, and it is a human baby, but the baby's spine you can see you can kind of see through the skin and just kind of is kind of protruding through the skin this like metal titanium spine so yeah it is half you know human half metal i guess you could say (laughs) but again that whole last scene you know just kind of talking through i'm not doing it justice because it's pretty graphic and again you see like her stomach just like tearing open and then like the side of her head where she has this scar from that plate that also like tears open and she basically just has like full-on metal inside her body but then it's a pretty touching scene again where vincent's holding this baby this like little i guess you could say monster human baby and just you know holding it to his chest and saying i'm here i'm here for you and you just know that he's gonna take care of this baby and be there for this baby and then that cuts to credits that's the end of the movie (laughs) so yeah a lot to unpack but you know the main message of this movie and the director has said this and the you know the actress and the director have been kind of touring and going to film festivals and they have been right out you know in the open saying that this movie it's all about love and you know the first half even though it's a horror movie it's a thriller it's bloody and violent you know this woman's having sex with a car it all comes down to love because at the end you know she's on the run she meets up with vincent and vincent is these two they're both lonely characters where you know he is still grieving the loss of his son you know his missing son he's trying to find him he's lonely you know he still lives at the same place they lived at he's divorced now but he's just looking for love pretty much and then she is also just looking for love you know you know just keeping it simple you don't have to think too deep but this movie really is just about love and finding family and accepting the you know a person for who they are pretty much you know this woman you know who's having sex with a car you know (laughs) is like a broken human she's also a serial killer and you know the message and the metaphor that he you know even though vincent knows this isn't his son he still loves and accepts his son who is alexia for who she is for who he is and that he's going to be there for her and and at the end when he does help her 
and, you know, tells her he loves her and then helps her with the birth of the baby. And then even this baby, you know, even though it's kind of a monster hybrid human baby, he says, I'm here for you. I'm going to be here for you. It just, you know, is again about love and acceptance. <laughs> so the director did say she quote, uh, this is a quote from the director at the New York Film Festival. She talks about the end of the movie. She says, I feel that my movie is pretty optimistic. It's about the birth of a new world. A new humanity that is that is stronger because it's monstrous. It's no longer an abnormality. It's a, it actually becomes something very positive. And again, that just kind of ties into that message of, you know, like a broken human. And she's saying that, you know, this new baby, even though it comes from someone that was broken and lost and lonely, but, you know, because she ended up finding love at the end and getting love from Vincent and, you know, end up loving Vincent back that this baby is a positive. It's going to be, you know, she says it's an optimistic ending pretty much. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. So with this movie, the acting is very strong. This movie, I really liked the Vincent character. I thought the actor Vincent did a really good job of just portraying this lonely older guy that's, you know, not in his prime anymore, trying to stay young, trying to stay in the game, basically, and just, you know, very vulnerable, but I really liked a lot of his scenes, a lot of his scenes with Adrian, and I really appreciate the scene of him doing the muscle-ups, you see him trying to do muscle-ups, bar muscle-ups, and just really, you know, I guess you could say frustrated, and frustrated with his body that he's getting older, and I just really felt for his character, I thought he did a really good job portraying, you know, the character, the actor did, and then also, the main actress who has never acted before, um, I get, I believe is how you say her first name. She, Julia said that she just wanted to find somebody who was a no name for this role. She didn't want anybody famous or anyone who was well known because they, she didn't want her audience to see this character and be like, oh, this actress is acting in this movie. She wanted it to just be very raw and real. So she had her casting director find this actress just through Instagram that she the actress said that she was just <laughs> one day home and she got a, a DM message through Instagram saying hey come audition for this movie role she had no clue who the director was what the movie was about and then she just was game and said okay I'll, I'm down for it I think she did a little bit of modeling before that but she's never acted before and Julia said that she had like four or five callbacks coming back and forth and eventually she gave her the role of the move in the movie and i believe it was like an, a year-long process of getting her ready for this film you know a lot of physical you know working out boxing different stuff and then also you know kind of teaching her to act because she didn't have a lot of acting you know background like she was giving her having her perform a lot of like monologues i think she had her watch uh villanelle from killing eve and doing some mon different you know, hard monologues really to get like her emotions out. And the actress even said that she was com in complete control of the director, that she just trusted her and just went through the process. But she also said too, that when she accepted the role of the movie, she didn't even know what the script was. She still didn't read the script or anything. She just kind of had blind trust in the director and she just felt, you know, the emotions and she really wanted to do this role, even though she kind of had a hint of what it was, you know, the movie was about. <laughs> Some other things too I was reading about uh, the director, I find it really interesting. She was saying like how she doesn't, when she's writing and directing, she doesn't really 
you know, think of other directors and movies, you know, a lot of her inspirations just come from like art, from like photographs and from art pieces and what people have like painted or drawn or taken photos of. Like she does a lot just more with like emotions and she, you know, she'll look at a picture and how she feels and that's where she gets like inspiration from. She doesn't so much, you know, look at past horror directors or like different movies, even though she did cite, you know, a couple movie scenes that she was, you know, thinking of, but she really just like kind of does her own thing which I really liked about which I really like about this director she's really exciting because she kind of just does her own thing she's not you know doing what the uh, producers or what you know she thinks people want or she's not just doing it for shock value she's making the movies the way she wants to express how she feels and what she wants the characters to feel and how she wants the audience to feel as well and she had a quote where she said, a vision that transcends expectations inspires me very much. And that's how she is. She said when she looks at like art and everything, she just really goes for emotion and, you know, how she transcends and everything. That's how she gets a lot of her inspiration from. She doesn't so much look back at past directors and movies, which I thought was cool. She did say that after she did Raw, that because that's more of a coming of age cannibal movie, that she really wants to challenge herself and a movie about love and expressing love she was having a hard time expressing you know love through you know screenwriting and characters and she really wanted to challenge herself and that's kind of how she came about this movie but also she was having these nightmares basically of this last um scene of giving herself giving birth to like metal and that's how she you know the movie's came to she knew the ending of this movie was going to be the birth of this baby in metal but then she kind of worked backwards and then she kind of formed the story with love and everything about love and the metaphors and kind of went worked backwards but she said really like this movie she kept she whenever you read interviews from her she really just kind of puts out the message of love and acceptance acceptance and family that's her big you know what she wants you to get out of this movie pretty much so I kind of want to end, you know, this podcast review kind of on this quote that I found and kind of just which relates kind of my thoughts about the film and this film director. So um, Electra, Electra, well, Alexandra, sorry, Alexandra West, who is the author of Films of the New French Extremity, Visceral Horror and National Identity. She quoted saying that Julia's work is extreme and absurd, but also human. And part of the driving force behind that, oh, let me restart it. And part of the driving force behind what's to come for cinema. She's challenging audiences and getting audiences to react to cinema and to talk to each other. That's exciting. And it's a simple quote, but yeah, these movies are both exciting and different. And just watching it, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in both Raw and this movie. And I find this director just very exciting just because you don't know what she's going to do. And I feel like there's no constraints to like her screenwriting and her directing, you know, there's no um, producers or studio holding her back, which you get with a lot of like these US movies and a lot of these horror movies, you know, just kind of going through the motions or just doing what the audience thinks. She doesn't care, you know, she's making what she wants to do. She's making the movie she wants to make. She's telling the messages and the themes and the metaphors and the stories that she wants to tell, which is really cool and exciting. And just watching this movie, you know, after it, you know, I'm diving into articles and watching. I watched, you know, her Q&A from the New York Film Festival. And it just really gets you excited for movies and 
like how powerful movies and cinema can be and i think you know her movies are just really doing that that's pretty much exciting so yeah after watching this film you know i thought a lot about my rating and i gotta go with a 4.5 out of 5 i really really enjoyed this film and i pretty much loved it to be honest i think it's going to be one of the top films at the end of the year for me on my list when I go back and look through my top 10 favorite films of the year I think this is going to be definitely up there just because it was exciting and it was fun and I really liked the message too at the end you know it is kind of a mushy love message but it really does work and you know it's pretty comforting and you know just touching too as well you know I'm going to keep thinking about this film basically it's going to be sticking with me for a while <laughs> and I'm looking forward to see what she does next. So I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Lights Out. I appreciate the listen as always. You can give me a follow at Lights Horror Pod on Twitter, and then you can follow my personal letterbox at KJ Steiner. I will be back with another episode probably next week or the week after where I kind of do like a Halloween wrap-up. I've been watching some horror movies and some newer U.S. horror releases like Halloween Kills, The Night House, and maybe some more. And I kind of just want to do like a mashup episode of all those movies and kind of just give my thoughts on them and whether or not you should watch them or check them out. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. I hope everyone has a great rest of the week. Hope you're doing well, and I will check you guys out next time. Bye-bye.